welcome to Occasional Randomness. I'm your host, Eric Scott, and joining me, as always, my fellow co-host, someone who made it through a very nasty hurricane, mostly unscathed, Jason Johnson. Yeah, it definitely wasn't a hurricane party, that's for sure. But I guess in context, we avoided wormholes, so that's probably the best I can say. Yeah, yeah you weren't blown to another galaxy or... <laughs> or Kansas, although... I, no, I didn't even drive through Kansas this time. So no, 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 we're good. So on tonight's podcast, we'll be doing our usual journey through Farscape, and we'll be recapping and discussing Season 3, Episode 17, The Choice. And if you were paying attention to what we said last time on the last podcast, uh, we were also going to cover the first half of Star Wars Ahsoka, but due to delays in recording because of said hurricanes, power outages, and vacations, both already taken and soon to be taken, we'll just do an entire show next time on Ahsoka, and we'll you know skip the Farscape. Yeah. Just because it's eight episodes to go through, and don't do that plus Farscape. That'd be too much. Yeah. Sorry about that, but you know, being without power for days and then having to clean up from that storm yeah i'm a little behind <laughs> yeah so and then i'm on vacation after right after we record this basically so or after i edit this and post it so i'll give you plenty of time to catch up on ahsoka before i get back and technically that means you're already on vacation because this doesn't count yeah but by the time you hear this i'll be on vacation i'm not paying you so you're on vacation now <laughs> this is also true <laughs> I stopped work five hours ago, so yeah. <laughs> so. All right, and as always, our reminder to everybody out there, if you like what we do, please give us a like or a review on whichever podcast platform you listen to this on, or help spread the word to your friends and let people know about us, because if you like it, you probably know people that do like it also, and we'd appreciate the plug. Alrighty, on to Farscape Season 3, Episode 17, The Choice. Aaron is on the planet Valden, which is a planet of mystics and seers. More on that in a minute. Didn't see that coming. Hey. Yeah. Did they, did they, did they know she was coming? Actually, yes, they did. But anyway, we'll get to that. <laughs> she is walking through a town square, and she passes an image of Crichton. Nearby, a man with bloody eyes approaches her, saying he can talk to the dead, but she shoes him away. Go away. As she walks up some steps, she looks over her shoulder, but does not see the image of Crichton. In orbit on Talon, Crace is blaming Stark for Aaron's being on Valden. They argue, and Stark accuses Krace of lusting after Eren, leaving up to him to protect her, especially as she has no interest in finding Moya. Really? Rigel intervenes, pointing out that Eren made it clear she does not want to be found or around any of them while mourning Crichton. Stark then tells the others that Valdun is filled with mystics and criminals, but Rigel correctly points out that Stark is a mystic, and he and Krace are technically both criminals, so Valdun is no different to Talon, except for the fact that Eren does not want to be aboard at all at this point. And Stark says the reason why she's gone to Valdun is to speak with Crichton. The dead Crichton, not the one that's alive on Moya. Yeah, because technically she could just make a phone call. Yeah. Back on the planet, Aaron sits on the balcony of her hotel room. She studies her knife and glances at her pulse pistol before calling somebody via comms, asking him to raise a man called Talon Lysak, her father. Bum, bum, bum. Dun, dun, dun. Lying on her bed, she's confronted by a hidden memory of the old age Crichton, she begins to remember the alternate life that she lived with him when she and Crichton grew old together. Particularly, she remembers the pain she felt when she was older. Then there's a knock on the door from a strange-looking man. She says that he found her and told her he could contact her dead father, Talon Lysak. So she wants him to show her. But he says he can do much more than just contact him. He is Talon Lysak. Ta-da! Should have recognized him. Yeah, because <laughs> he looks just like she remembers. 
Not at all. And then, of course, Stark and Rigel arrive on Valden, and Stark hears Zan's voice. Hmm. Rigel complains to Krace over comms that Stark is going mad and begs him to come down. That same blood-eyed man comes up to Rigel as Rigel laughs at him. The man speaks of someone named Kelor, who he says forgives Rigel, and knows that Dominar could not go against his own family. Rigel is shocked and hovers back to Stark, wanting to get out of there immediately, as always. As they go to speak to the hotel owner, a familiar face looks on from the shadows. Uh, meanwhile, back in Aaron's hotel room, Talon, not the ship Talon, but the guy Talon, tells Aaron that he has his face altered to hide from the peacekeepers. He uses a peacekeeper blood spectrometer, and Aaron discovers that their blood does match. He is Talon. He goes to leave, knowing he is not what she wants, but she tells him to hang on. Wait a minute. I'm going to ask you right here. Did he use a lady's razor for that? or? Yeah, right. Sorry, that was my Star Wars reference for the week. Go ahead. Yeah, right. It's a bad prop. That's right. Meanwhile, Stark and Rigel ask the hotel owner about Aaron. The owner says that, nope, no submissions at all are here in this hotel whatsoever. Try going across town. As the owner and Rigel continue to talk, Stark hears Zan's voice again and starts to wander away. But he notices someone and quickly retreats, telling Rigel not to let her see them. Then he points her out to Rigel. It's Zalek's son! <gasps> they watch as she executes that blood-eyed man for talking to Rigel. So, same old Zalek's. On Talon, the ship... Stark holds Krace at gunpoint for not killing Zalex, telling him that Crichton was right after all. He made a deal behind their backs. Krace tells him that, no, that deal he made isn't the one they think. Actually, kind of is. He knew that if they killed Zalex, Peacekeeper High Command would keep sending retrieval squads until one finally succeeded. He offered Zalex her life in return for telling High Command that they were all dead. Stark doesn't believe that at all, and is ready to kill Krace, but Rigel won't let him because Krace is the only one who can pilot Talon with Eren being gone. Back on the planet, Talon asks Aaron who she really wanted to find, and she tells him that it was the man who died. Talon says he'll come back later with a being that may be able to contact her loved one. And again, Rigel and Stark arrive on the planet, but this time with Krace in handcuffs, and Stark sees a dying old woman nearby. He helps her cross over, and that somehow gets a contact and retrieves some residual information on Aaron's location. He's informed she's there on one of the levels above. On the way back up to her room, Aaron notices a number of couples kissing in the passageways and is reminded of the loving times she and Crichton had shared. Aww. Aww. And then the Killjoys, uh, Stark and Crace, knock on her door, but she refuses to speak or let them enter. So Stark forces Crace to his knees at gunpoint outside her door. So fine, Aaron steps out, and Stark tells her that Zalex is indeed alive and on Valdun. She brushes all that off, saying that she's seen Crichton and her father, and that any minute he will see Zan. So she's not quite getting it here. Stark tells Aaron that no, 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 she's not just another vision, as Krace never actually kills Alex, and pleads for her to come back with him, saying he'll look after her. She tells Stark not to touch her, then brushes up against Krace in a sexual manner, saying that he always wanted her to steal her away from Crichton, teasing if he wishes he may now have that chance. Stark pulls her up, though, but she gets him up against the wall at knife point and spits out that she will spear his last eye he has left, and that he wants her exactly in the same way that Krace wants her. But what makes Stark worse is that he's doing so under the guise of protecting her and thinking he's so much better than Krace. And she orders the two of them to leave. Meanwhile, Talon's got that thing that he wanted to show Aaron in the box and lets Alex know. In the hotel room, Aaron steps out on her balcony and calls out for Crichton. She recalls a moment back on the Ancient's Earth simulation and starts to kiss a vision of him, the same way he kissed her then. But he vanishes... So she gets up and goes over to the open balcony, where Rigel is now hovering up from below, telling her all about Kelor, his lost love, whom he missed for a long time. But he knows that self-sacrifice is not the answer. 
He says that unlike Grayson Stark, though, he does not have a romantic interest in her, and in the end, it's up to her what she wants to do. But Crichton loved her and would not have wanted his death to lead her to this. She gets a knock from her father Talon on the door and tells Rigel to leave. As he goes, he tells her that Talix is indeed alive and on the planet, and Aya responds that her father is too, and asks Rigel to go. So again, I don't think she's quite getting it. <laughs> Talon has brought the seer named Cressus, a four-foot and four-eyed creature, asking her who she wants to see. Aaron tells her all about Crichton, that he loved her, and that he made her a better person. After much contorting, a short image of Crichton appears above the seer's head, saying, Help me, bring me back. The seer says, through Talon interpreting, that it's never felt a stronger vision, and Talon adds that sometimes it can even raise the dead. Ooh. He leaves to get someone who says will assist without with the raising. Aaron just brushes it off and lies down, and Crichton appears at her side, saying they can't bring him back. She asks him if it was easy to be a hero, just to leave her behind. They start kissing, and suddenly Aaron realizes, sadly, she's alone again. But not for long, because then Zalek storms into her room, and after a brief exchange of words... There's nothing like family. Yeah. (laughs) Hi, Mom. After a brief exchange of words, Talon comes in also. Zalek knocks him onto the bed and threatens to kill him. Aaron tries to convince her that he's not the one she wants, but Zalek gets Talon to lie down and roll over, and then shoots him in the head. (laughs) Oops. Oh, well. She says that things couldn't have worked out better, and she's glad Aaron and Talon had met, as it makes Thrift's revenge all the sweeter. She blames Aaron for everything that has happened to her since her birth, and says that she wants Aaron's pain suffering. That's kind of harsh. She was so close to love and then lost it all in an instant. She asks Aaron, now that she also has nothing, how's it feel? Meanwhile, back in the lobby, Cray, Stark, and Rigel are trying to get information from the hotel owner about where Aaron is. And after they threaten his life, he shows them a small hidden dumbwaiter-like elevator they can use to access Aaron's room. And then suddenly, a few of the townspeople, well, actually, almost all of them, start shooting at them in the hotel lobby. Yeah, that should be the townspeople start yeah. shooting. <laughs> that should be everybody in the hotel, except Aaron and Zalex, start shooting at them. Back up in the room, Alan, Aaron tells Alex that when she walked in, she knew that Talon was not really her father. She had deeply hoped that he might have been, just like she hoped to see Crichton again. But in her heart, she knew he was not her father. Zalex does not want to believe her, but Aaron says that the peacekeepers aren't actually as remarkable as she used to wrongly believe, because they do not, nothing at all for love. Zalex says that she's wrong about that. After Aaron's birth, she was given an order that High Command called a choice. Hey, name drop episode. <laughs> Either Aaron or Talon had to die. So she chose to kill Talon so that Aaron could live, and she did all that for love. Meanwhile, back in the lobby, Stark fights back against the townsfolk as Krace escapes up the access lift to attempt to save Aaron. Speaking of which, uh, Zalex has Aaron out on the balcony and says that she was not an assassin, but a pilot before she killed Talon, but they made her kill again and again and again after that till she eventually stopped caring. She knew Aaron's suffering might ease her pain, and it has. Aaron says that Zalex does not want to kill her, and Zalex shoots twice but misses, assumingly on purpose, since she's an assassin and just point blank range. Aaron calls out to her on the balcony, walks right up to the weapon, and says that she can't miss this close, unless she really, really wants to. She tells Zalex to drop the gun. Zalex hesitates, and just as she's about to drop the gun, Kray storms in and shoots her. Great, thanks. Nice. <laughs> Great timing. Aaron grabs Zalex in her arms, half hanging over the ledge of the balcony, but Zalex tells her just to let her go. She tells Aaron that she died a long time ago, and looking into each other's eyes, Zalex tells Aaron to live for her, and then re- reluctantly, Aaron lets her go to fall to her death far, far below. Oh. oh. 
Back on Talon, Grace and Rigel are watching a recording from Stark, who says that Zan is communicating with him, and he has gone to look for her. He tells them not to follow, and asks them to give the Crichton on Moya his mask. So what's he wearing now? <laughs> that he will know what to do with it. He asks them to take care of Aaron, and says he will find them again. Grace says that Talon believes he had located Moya, and when they meet up, he will leave once Talon has found another to pilot him. Back in her hotel room, Aaron tells a vision of Crichton that maybe if he had lived, she could have become something different. But now he is gone, and she was what she was meant to be. Vision Crichton calls her over, but she refuses, saying that he has to go now. As she leaves Cressus, who I guess is still in this room all the time, just forgot about him, <laughs> uh, he tells her that what they do on Valdun is usually mostly a fraud. But with Aaron, it seems to have been real, and asks if she wants to try one more time. Without looking, she walks away, determined not to look back. Some trivia about this episode. Claudia Black asked David Kemper, a screenwriter and also executive producer on Farscape, for a script that she could get her teeth into. She worked closely with Justin Monjo and Rowan Woods, the writer and director, on the episode. And Monjo had specifically asked to work on this episode that had Aaron dealing with Crichton's death. In her final appearance as Alex's son, okay, there you go, Linda Cropper considers this to be her favorite episode, praising the Greek tragedy elements. Rowan Woods, the director, fused design elements from Blade Runner with Gothic design to create the decaying atmosphere of Valdon. And the reason that Stark was sent on his journey in this episode was in order to allow Paul Goddard to appear on stage at the Sydney Opera House. Cool. Hey, all right. Uh, this episode marks Zan's final appearance during this season, hmm. but only her voice. Uh, this is the only episode in the entire series where a real, quote-unquote, Crichton does not make an appearance. And, unusually, the first vision that Aaron has with Crichton is of the elderly Crichton seen in the locket, even though that version of Crichton had supposedly never existed in this timeline. However, this seemingly validates Zayn and Stark's belief that at the end of that episode, the entire alternate timeline continued to exist separate from the current one, despite the events never occurring. Which, I guess, oh. there's your timey-wimey... It never happened, but it did. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> like, even though it didn't happen, it continued to happen. Uh, right. Yeah. It, it's a time travel thing. You, you, have, you have to just go with it. Okay. All right. So that was a giant plot-filled episode to, to churn through and a very, very long recap. <laughs> so <laughs> overall, what do you think of the choice? So this is not what I was expecting. I, I, I didn't go back and look at our, our, our listen to our guesses from last last time. But I don't think we were close on this one. Uh, I definitely didn't have uh, Planet of the Mystics on yeah. my bingo card. Um, we're on that in a minute. But yeah, I thought we were you know, getting closer to reuniting the crew. Uh, I didn't realize they were going to keep them apart for another episode or so. Uh, I'm guessing by the, the trivia there that we're maybe getting close to seeing the real Crichton in this group. Although we probably have one more episode of the regular crew without the Talon crew before we go back. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, I, I did enjoy it. Again, not what I was expecting. It had some weird elements on the planet, which Farscape's really good at. Um, I, I can see the Blade Runner type stuff in it. But yeah, it was a good way for her to close out her grief and you know the parental troubles kind of all in one episode. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they can't possibly, well, they could, but they can't possibly stretch this out any longer. They have to, because they even said, hey, we found Moya, let's go back to her. But you know, so hopefully, please, <laughs> next time. Yeah, I think I think the regular crew will have one more episode. I say regular. The Moya crew, and then they'll reunite? I don't know. Yeah, because we have, like, what? We'll we have five more episodes of the season to go. So, 
So they, they got to wrap it up here. You know, they got to get back together to have the big final, you know, cliffhanger ending here. But we will see. So yeah, as we kind of alluded to uh, way back a little bit in the recap, that uh, yeah, once again we have the uh, sci-fi trope of a planet that just does one thing. Uh, Starks describes this as a planet of mystics and seers, and that's a lot of what we see down there. And I guess it's probably good that you keep all of them in one place, because otherwise you would frighten off the locals on their other planets. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, keep them on yeah. one spot and then don't deal with them anymore. Yeah, this this section of the galaxy evidently has. You know, you can't multi-class. It's whatever's on this planet. It's what you have to be. So, yeah. But it's such an odd planet. Why would anybody go there? I I, I struggle with that. I'm like, if, if it's... How desperate do you, I guess we do know how desperate you have to be. But is everybody on this planet that desperate that they're either a, a criminal and a fraud or they're just willing to put up with anything? I don't know. It's 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 a pretty desperate planet. Yeah, and like if somebody somewhere else is like, "Oh, I see visions," they pack them up on a ship and ship them over here. Like, <laughs> like that's just work. Yeah, they're immediately sucked into a wormhole and split it, sped out here. It's just, it's like the mists of Ravenloft or something. Yeah, and like if anybody wants us to have us, you know, oh, I need, I really need to see her. Well, what you gotta do is you gotta go to this planet. <laughs> you can't do it here. You gotta go over there. And, and maybe one of the three hundred there might not be a charlatan. So yeah, or a setup. We'll get it here in a second. Yeah, so speaking of what we talked about at the end of the, the trivia there, it's like the first memory of Aaron and Crichton is from her and Crichton from the alternate timeline from the locket, which was uh, basically almost an entire full season ago, season sixteen, uh, episode 16 of season two. So yeah, it's kind of interesting that she's able to remember that if that really never happened, maybe, but it did. I, so somehow she was able to keep those memories from the alternate timeline or whatever it was. So does Crichton have those too? He was there. Or did the staff on the show kind of miss that and just were finding all the lovey-dovey Crichton and Aaron things and just put it in the show as flashbacks? You know, I think it could swing either way. Um, I personally think it's probably more that they missed it or they just really wanted to use the old Crichton, you know, when they were trying to dig up all the different versions of Crichton to, to mix in. And that's a, that's a pretty good one to use. So, yeah, it makes for an interesting memory. Yeah, I mean it was a great episode, and you know, p- power acting by both of them, and you know, really, really got you in the in the feels, as as the kids say. So I can see why they wanted to pull it, because you know that was probably one of the better kind of love lovish scenes between the two of them so far. Is that what the kids say now? I don't know. I'm I'm old now, and it's <laughs> <laughs> so I've been told. Oh, okay. I'm I'm almost as old almost as old as, uh, I am almost as old as you are so yeah I guess so I'll take your word for it yeah, yeah and then I guess we have the the quote unquote Talon Daddy Talon uh, and I guess if you really want to believe that he did fake his death and that Zalex thought she killed him but didn't um, I guess disfiguring yourself or merging your DNA with some other species which he was like some kind of weird like half like insect like face or whatever. I guess well, isn't so it, Aaron's half pilot, right? So yeah, so hey, there you go, you know, all in the family. But I guess yeah, doing some kind of DNA merge with some other species would be a real excellent way to hide from peacekeepers who believe in genetic purity. So none of them at all would expect to give him a second glance because oh, that, that's not a peacekeeper or a sebation, that weird looking thing. But and then he's just a regular old con artist in league with our next surprise guest star that we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. So my only hang up on this one that. I just couldn't work out is how did he fake the blood test? Cause I, I, I doubted it. I thought he was a fake until then, but you know, if they explained how he faked the test, I missed it. Cause 
that was when I bought in. I'm like, oh, they, they checked the blood. You know, that's his midichlorians were there. He should be good. <laughs> Dang it. I did another one. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I, as you said that, I, I thought about it. Maybe because he gave her the device that, you know, they, they rigged it ahead of time. Even though they said that you know, this can't be faked. Well, I guess apparently it can't be faked. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the only thing I could come up with is maybe he had some Azalex's blood, which would have been a genetic match to her. And that's what they used. I don't know. You know, Aaron's, you know, if you think they're DNA related, you know, she'll have half her mom's DNA too, like the father, right? So maybe six yeah. one, half, half dozen, I don't know, whatever. That, don't know. that was what I was thinking too. And speaking of which, hey, look, Alex isn't dead after all. Well, until the end here, but. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait a minute. But, you know, for, for the first 45 minutes, she wasn't dead. I'm not falling for it this time. Yeah. Although the trivia said this is her last appearance, so I guess they were. Oh, well, she fell, so, okay. And, uh, yeah, Crace pretty much right out confirms what Crichton thought he did several episodes ago in that fake flashback. He did bargain and spared her life so she would tell the peacekeepers that she killed them all and stopped coming after them. But speaking of which, how, so two things. How did she know that Aaron would come to this planet? And then how would she know she either wanted to talk to her father or to Crichton? I mean, what she did took a while to set up because she, like, paid off half the planet, apparently. And had all this, you know, devices rigged, and this guy, and whatever. I don't know that that fake seer dude. So that's not something you can just whip up on a, on a whim. I'm, I hope not. I mean, maybe you could. I don't know. But you know, there are a lot of hard up people on this planet who want money and probably would do anything for it. Apparently, but still, it would take a bit to pull this off. Yeah, I'm just gonna have to go with plot on this one because. I completely agree. That's that's one of those you don't think about it too hard because she also starts throwing out the, I want you to suffer like I suffered and, you know, or, you know your suffer makes me feel better or something, which I didn't get from their last appearance. And like you say, it's not like she had anything to do with Crichton's death. So, you know, she didn't cause that and set this up. Yeah, that's that's a little rough point there. Yeah, because how did she know Crichton died? Also, again, again, plot and, you know, okay, just wave that away and it's a great episode. But <laughs> if you think about certain things, you're like, huh? Right. Yeah. That, that one just kind of had to flow, I guess. Yeah. And some of the kind of interesting bits of the episode uh, that we never talk about. You know, so, you know, Aaron has made it clear she wants to be left alone and do what she has to do. But, of course, nah. Everybody comes down to the planet and tries to get her to come back. I'm like, come on, man. Let, let, let the poor woman grieve and maybe get some closure here, guys. Come on. I mean, at least she's cordial to Rigel later when she, he hovers up there and just says, hey, whatever. She's like, yeah, just go away. But boy, does she go off on Crace and Stark. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she calls them both out on their lust for her. And Stark is probably worse because he's doing it under false pretenses of protecting her. I mean... Really, I mean, let the woman grieve and don't try to be like the the, re the immediate rebound love interest after he's been dead for like what a week, if that. I mean, come on. Yeah, I, I felt I felt not to be nitpicky again, but I, I found that odd. The Crace, sure. I mean, he was scum the whole time. Although I thought he had some respect for Crichton after the the last Crichton death scene. So you know, I thought maybe he'd be a little more respectful of Aaron here, but Stark, I'm not sure where the the lust part came from, right? He was always hung up on Aaron. So where did the, not Aaron, I'm sorry. He was always hung up on Zan. So where did the, the Aaron thing come from with him? Just as it, is it just, you know, we're stuck on a spaceship. You're the only female on the spaceship. 
Yeah, I think they kind of were dropping little things here and there in prior episodes. Like he was kind of like kind of looking at her, or maybe he was trying to like touch her in one episode. I can't remember, but some, maybe they're trying to build something. But yeah, if he didn't notice those little subtle things, then it's kind of like, where'd this come from? But, but he's still doing the Zan thing. I'm not, yeah, you know, hearing her voice <laughs> and chasing her stuff. So it, it, I don't know, kind of contradictory here. Yeah, yeah, he's a complex character. I see what you did there. Hey, yeah. And then, hey, in the middle of uh, dramatic attention with Aaron and her mom, uh, the guys get into a gunfight in the hotel lobby, of course. You know, and apparently, like we said before, pretty much with everybody in the hotel lobby, because <laughs> everybody is armed to the teeth. I mean, did she pay off the entire hotel? Like, is Alex? Like, come on. What? It's like, it, it was fun, but it's like, really? Everybody? <laughs> yeah. So, so my initial response is she just paid off the planet. But I think this is kind of like one of those John Wick scenes where... Once somebody starts shooting, it's mandatory that everybody else just start shooting too, you know. So, yeah, I mean, if you're all criminals, right? You don't know who if it's, they come for you, they come for your buddy. Like, you know, it's like, okay, fine, I'll just, I'll just start mowing down people. <laughs> yeah, yeah this is my opportunity. I'm gonna shoot. I didn't like you anyway, so yeah, it's just an excuse to shoot somebody. That's all it is. And in the end, Alex was doing all this just to cause Aaron pain and suffering, to make her feel like she did, so that I guess she could feel better about herself or something. And, uh, you know, finally, Aaron and Zalex do come to a lovely understanding about each other. And, you know, Alex is going to put the gun down and they're probably going to hug and everything be wonderful. And all live happily ever after. And then Crace busts the door down and shoots her in the, in the stomach. I'm like, dude, <laughs> nice, nice timing. And, you know, Aaron tries to save her. But, of course, she's already mortally wounded, probably. And she just tells her to let her go. And she does. So, you know, I guess that does add to the uh, Greek tragedy part of this episode. Yeah, I already kind of beat up on my uh, hang up on Zalix's reasoning and why she was her motivation for doing all this. But I guess I'll just also second the man, how bad of a timing does Crace have to have? I mean, like one second, like must not even one second, but you know, just a couple minutes later, you know, slower coming up that that elevator and we wouldn't have had to uh, have the, the death scene here. So. Like you say, Greek tragedy and all, but man at the timing. Yeah, and it's probably good that Crace says you know, once he get back to Moya, he'll find someone else to pilot Talon and he'll leave. Because, yeah, at this point, Aaron wants to kill everybody. <laughs> yeah. At this point. <laughs> You're on the, the short list there, buddy. You know, so. And speaking of leaving, at the end of the episode, as we talked about in the, in the trivia, Stark leaves to try to talk to Zan, because he did hear her a couple times. And I guess you know that's the plan to do it on, so there you go. And, yeah, speaking of which, yeah, you need to go, too, because Aaron will kill you, too, at this point. So she's going to kill everybody but Rigel, and she'll fly Talon back to Moya. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's interesting that, yeah, he, he left his mask behind to give to Crichton, which is interesting. I mean, I think I remember why, but I wonder now what he, he's using to cover up his face like from the energy from leaking out. Did he have, like, a spare mask? Like, bandages, I'm guessing? I don't know. Whatever. I guess if we see him again, maybe we'll we'll know. And, you know, Aaron, I guess, at the end of the episode, kind of gave up on love, apparently, and now is going back to her stern, no-nonsense peacekeeper persona. But if next episode is, or at some point, to get together with Moya, we'll see how well that goes when she sees the other Crichton. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be a, a very interesting thing. Although, part of me wonders, does does the mask kind of give the new it does the Crichton get to use that the mask to get some memories or something i don't know i'm really trying to figure out how they're going to address that gap of personalities and maybe maybe this is a plot device to do it so i don't know 
Yeah, it's like, it's like the shorthand plot device for basically getting them back to where they were before all happy again. You know, once she gets over the fact that this isn't her Crichton, yeah. but he has and, all the he has, he has all the same memories, maybe or whatever. we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, so. and unless this puts a Crichton in Crichton's head along with the Harvey, so you could have a Harvey and a Crichton, <laughs> and it could be the other Crichton in his head. So you yeah, have, it'd, be, it'd be awfully crowded in there. I don't know. <laughs> Crichton, Harvey, Crichton. Yeah. Yeah, and you know if it does have all his memories from the other Crichton, yeah, it's also, it's also other other Harvey. So they got two Harveys and two. Well, Crichton, the other, other Harvey was gone, right? So. Well, yeah, but you know if Stark has some kind of weird, you know, he's got the crossover stuff. Maybe he's somehow got a, you know, little, little fragment of Harvey left. I don't know. You Harvey could one, a, Harvey two. Harvey could have a Harvey in his head. Well, I guess he does. Harvey have Scorpius in his head, right? So then you got two different. Yeah. <laughs> It's like those nesting dolls. It just yeah, keeps going. That, that's exactly what I was picturing. The Russian nesting dolls that come. <laughs> yeah, open Harvey. It's Harvey. Open Harvey. It's a little Harvey. A little baby Harvey. But when I'm animated. Yeah, which is a lot more fun, as we talked about last time. Yeah. All right. So that was a a lot in this episode. Uh, I think we covered most of it, uh, at least the juicy bits, anyway. Anything else we didn't talk about, or you want to mention? No, I, I think you know. If I haven't made it clear, uh, I'm ready. I'm ready for the crew to get back together. Uh, these these splits were were fun, but especially now that we're down a Crichton, uh, I'm ready to start seeing how this is going to pay off. Um, hopefully, we don't lose the other Crichton in the next episode, and then we have no Crichtons because that's just weird. But um, yeah, yeah. I, again, I'm enjoying the episodes, but I'm ready for the the reunion. Yeah, I mean, it was a cool concept for a TV show. You know, you split the cast in half and you alternate episodes. So, you know, that was fun for 15-ish episodes or so. So, okay, you know, time to get the time to get the band back together. Yeah, and they're, they're, they are on a mission, right? So That's right, yeah. <laughs> mission from the Ancients. It's dark. They're wearing, they're wearing sunglasses. It's a Blues Brothers reference for anybody that's too old to remember that movie. Oh, come on. There was a 2000s version, so it wasn't like that old. Never, I, I never saw that one. Don't. Okay, that, that's why I figured. That's why I didn't watch it the first time. All right, so yeah, so we're not going to guess what's going to happen next time because we'll do that at the end of next podcast. And like we said at the beginning, uh, next podcast, we'll skip the Farscape and we'll do a whole podcast on the first season of Ahsoka because that's eight episodes. And like we said before, at this point, since I've seen them all and you'll watch them eventually trying to do half and half it's like we already know what the answer is so it's kind of hard to speculate when we've already known the answer so yeah. well, let's do the whole thing and that'll be easier and then after that we'll get back to the regular alternating format of farscape and something else and that something else as of about half an hour ago is probably gonna be loki season two because that started uh, a little bit ago so i did it yep it dropped tonight uh, on disney plus man i hadn't even finished ahsoka yet <laughs> <laughs> and i'll be on vacation for two weeks uh tomorrow so i won't get to see any of them so yeah we'll have like immediately after we get back like half a loki's already done <laughs> so. okay well i may wait until after we do the ahsoka one to do the loki so i'm not mixing everything up but yeah we'll see if i can last that long mm -hmm. so we'll... yeah I, I have to keep watching stuff because i'll get ruined on social media and I'll, I'll get mad so i'm like you know i had to watch ahsoka before i left on vacation because otherwise, two weeks from now, I'm, I would have seen something and be annoyed. Yeah, so. it, it's been tough dodging it just for the little bit I've been on uh, vacation for and not been able to watch. So, yeah, definitely feel that pain. Yeah. 
and I'll have enough TV to watch when I get home from vacation, you know, that I already watch normally. So yeah, we'll, we'll see how this goes, but we'll get her done, as they say. Again, is that what they say? Yeah, well, that's what Larry the Cable Guy says. Oh, okay. He says that a lot, too. Yeah, yeah, that's that's his thing. All right, anyway, we digress. So I guess that's your homework for next time is uh, watch all of Ahsoka, or when we talk about it, remember what you watched whenever you watched it, <laughs> like, like we will. So there you go. So that's your homework, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>